From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 72 of the Dis Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Dis historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. So, if you are you have you recovered from the food and wine festival at Epcot, or are you still travel tasting everything? Oh, I'm still tasting everything. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it has been a busy, busy time. So I, it's all kind of been a, a blur actually. So it mm-hmm. just everything feels like it's one after the next thing, after the next thing, after the next thing, and getting ready for Halloween now. So it's. I've eventually, uh, officially now kicked it into full gear of getting ready. So, uh, oh, you have your costume already? I, I don't have the costume. I don't think <laughs> this year I'm doing anything costume oriented. Uh, mm-hmm. Did that last year, but I it's I say that every year around this time. It's like nope, I'm not doing anything costume uh, related this year. I'm just not. Not that I'm not wasting the money. I'm not putting the time and effort into it, and then, and inevitably, it's like a week before Halloween or a week before I need it. And then I have to, to rush last second, and that's why my air conditioner is still stained with red paint from last year when I had to throw a bunch of paint all over a shirt to make it look like blood at the very last second, and <laughs> didn't think about the fact that uh, that you know wet paint is going to going to just travel to anything that it touches so uh, <laughs> no but i've been uh we've been going through all our decorations and getting in and out trying to we have more uh, shelving than we did last year so we're trying different places where we're putting anything of course um i've just gone on this tiki mug haul I'll, I'll probably in the past Oh, I want to say uh, it's been about two months. I mean, I've always been obsessed with tiki mugs. Everyone who knows me knows that. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the things I love most. But uh, when I was on the train to Alaska, or uh, the train to Canada, technically, during my Alaska cruise, I, I caught a good deal on Zulily, and I got the entire set of the classic monster tiki mugs, Uh for the great price and but those took months to ship so i just got those recently like within the past within the past month and a half or so and then back before comic-con happened i placed a pre-order on the cereal monster tiki mugs that i didn't know whether or not i was going to get and then uh just out of the blue i got an email saying that they shipped and they just got here last week, so now I'm trying to figure out where to put my nine tiki mugs that I've collected over the wow. past past couple weeks. And all I can say is my wife is not happy about it, but I am thrilled. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite into autumn yet. It's still quite warm here, and uh, although we're we're 
supposedly later the sick were dropping into the 70s what well, plummet is more the word because you know we were in the hundreds last yeah. week and then we've gradually you know 90s 80s so we're, we're going down but it doesn't yeah. seem to last some of the trees are just starting to turn color so okay. uh so but they still have a long way to go yeah i mean i was i was grumpy about all of it i would i didn't want to take in the change and then then inevitably i opened up my first box of count chocula and <laughs> then it, it's no looking back from there they still make that oh or does it just come out at halloween uh, the, the, only halloween so oh, okay uh, they they still release the the main three, the Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry. A couple mm-hmm. years back, they actually released Fruit Brute and Yummy Money, and that was that was amazing. I, I actually liked both of those more than Frankenberry and Booberry, but I am obsessed with everything monster cereal. It's just, <laughs> th- well, there is I, nothing that makes me more happy than when Count Chocula rolls around, and it's always so fresh because they only make it for this one time a year. Oh, it's just perfect. Well, I know you were looking for that puzzle. I, and <laughs> well, I found uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Congratulations. I, it's, again, another thing that my wife did not kind of agree on the, whether or not we needed it. But uh, I think I think one day down the road she'll appreciate the fact that we have it. <laughs> well... Well, I'm sure she will. If not, your 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 future children will. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, well. Speaking of cartoon characters, and in, in in our series about the history of Disney animated films, uh, we have been discussing the four phases of Mickey Mouse's career. Uh, phase one is from Mickey's screen appearance in 1928 Steamboat Willie until his 1940 appearance in Fantasia. And during these 12 years, Mickey Mouse became one of the most popular stars in the United States. Phase two begins on the eve of World War II and lasts for two decades. During this phase, Mickey's screen stardom starts to fade. He experiences a revival with the debut of the Mickey Mouse Club television show and the opening of Disneyland in 1955. Phase three covers the turbulent 1960s and into the presidency of Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. Then Mickey was embraced by the pop art culture and became a time-tested classic. Phase four of Mickey's career is from the mid-1980s through present day. Throughout the fractious political and social climate, Mickey Mouse has now become a global icon driven by nostalgia and brilliant marketing. So in this episode of Connecting with Walt, Craig and I are going to continue our exploration of phase one of Mickey's career, from Steamboat Willie to Fantasia, which we began in episode 66 by taking a look at the, and we're going to take a look at the Mickey mania that swept the nation in the late 20s and 30s. And with the anniversary of Mickey's 90th birthday coming up, and, and since we're talking about merchandising, I thought it would be fun to begin this episode by unboxing the D23 party box I received in the mail this past week. Now, Craig, were you familiar with this party box that D23 was sending out? I actually only found out about it because I saw, I want to say, uh, I, I think it was Luella, so who you might know from the Disneyland uh, mm-hmm. podcast, as well as all the times that... 
she's been on other stuff, including this show when she was here for trivia. But mm-hmm. I think I saw her post a photo of it on Facebook, but just in in as a passing glance. But I, I've got to be perfectly honest. I let my I let my renewal for D twenty three go to like the last week before they said I would have to <laughs> rejoin all over again. So I still have yet. I, I finally did renew, but I still haven't received my my gold member gift, and I've been out of the loop on D twenty three as a whole. So I, I don't really know much about this party. Okay. So I'm happy we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, you'll like the gold member gift this year because it's all about Mickey Mouse. Yes. All kinds of great memorabilia. Well, this party box D twenty three sent out for free. You you had to sign up for it, but there were stipulations in that you had to agree that you would have a party for Mickey, basically between uh, between certain dates at last couple of weeks of September and that you would post it on social media and you had to indicate that you know is it going to be on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and and you know all kind you know um YouTube and and a few yeah. others that I'm not on and and um and and then you have to use a certain hashtag you know and things like that in order to post the um you know, post your photos and videos and all that. So I ordered one with uh, other other. I know other people ordered it and immediately began planning their party. I of course did not, <laughs> so I just ordered it. So I thought it'd be fun. I haven't. I just opened it, but I didn't go through the contents. So I thought it would be fun to do that with with Ooh. all of you out there. So first of all, it comes in a really cool, very sturdy cardboard box, and we're going to have photos. We'll have some photos in our show notes of this. Yes. Um, it says D twenty three, the official Disney fan club. It's a red. Um, it's basically a yellow box, but it has. Um, Red and black Mickey icons on it, two big ones. Very stylized, very artistic. I like it. They're off-centered and all that. But this is a good box that I can um, keep some sort of Disney things in, maybe pins or buttons and something. When you open it, it says that the, the inside cover says D23, the official fan club. The inside lid, I should say. And then it has, you know how they like all those little Mickey parts on things? There's the little black icon and there's a little yellow shoe and then there's his white glove and then his little red pants little red shorts and so those are scattered around it almost looks like wallpaper and a thing and right in the middle it says d23 the official disney fan club then there's a little uh postcard in here and uh let's see the oh uh, this is basically uh, all kinds of promotions in here to promote D23. So they talk about how we're excited you'll be throwing a D23 theme party for our pal Mickey in your hometown. Between September 8th to 30th, 2018, you along with other D23 members across the country will be celebrating and we want to help you get things started. So inside this box, please find a variety of items to help you with your party planning. Stop by d23.com slash party for recipes, decorating ideas, and more. I will have to check that out. We want to see your party in action on social media. Share your favorite Mickey recipe. Give us a sneak peek at your decor and post those pictures in the main event. Be sure to use uh, um, hashtag D23party so we can follow along. And then on the back there's a promotional code where if you share, hey, if I share this with you Craig, you can get $5 off your membership now through October 6, 2018. So, uh, of course I just renewed. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so because and then and then people can get points. So if you get one person to register, you get an exclusive D twenty three gold member pin. You oh. get there three points a pin in a D twenty three Mickey Mouse print, and then five or more points a pin and print and one year a D twenty three gold membership extension. So that's pretty there cool. You go. So yeah. all of our audience. Start harassing Michael on social media. That's right. That's right. If you're gonna if if you're going to the D twenty three Expo and you have not gotten your membership yet, send me a, a message, Michael at wdwinfo.com or um, at Connect Walt, and mm-hmm. I'll give you this promotional code and um, tell you how you um, can use me as your reference and. Maybe I'll get something cool and you'll get $5 off. Yeah. And then it has the promotional code here. Uh, they, they give you a, a sheet of little cards that I guess you can give out at your party. You per, They're all perforated. It says, become a D23 Gold member and save $5 today. And, and the, the promotional code's on there. And then on the back, it has all of the info on there. So um, anyway, so that is very cool. and And it's all you know mickey colored and all that those little cards then i i i i talked with a, a couple of of listeners about this who also got the box um because this thing is like right on top i don't know what you're supposed to do with this it's part of something that is for sale in the shop disney parks and what it is is it's part of a a three-piece set it's this silicon sort of form that you use for breakfast and oh. some people got the mickey icon i think some people get a glove or something and then other people get the um what the set is you know the mickey parts yeah so you get the yeah. little head you get the glove Probably or the you pants. get his pants so i got the pants and I have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to do with this thing. I mean, unless you're going to make eggs or pancakes or something for your party, I don't know what you do with this. So if anybody has any ideas, let me know. Oh but I got... Well, you little... could use it as a... Even though it would not probably cut well since it's silicon, you could still use it to, to mold cookies or Well, that's what brownies. I said. I said that to my two friends, and they did not think that was a bright idea i mean if it's silicon technically you could bake it in there so it would hold its form the entire time too but mm, that's i then again i i'm not a baker i i am a cook but baking it never comes out right so <laughs> maybe don't take my advice on that one <laughs> okay then you, you get some plastic cutlery wear there is a package of um 24 assorted plastic cutleries, eight forks, eight knives, eight spoons that are washable and reusable. These are black. And then there is another set that are red. So you have two of the Mickey colors. And then to round it off, there are yellow. There's a package of yellow beverage napkins. Um, so there's your... Perfect. There's your add to your table decor in here and you have red uh, i love it because um i guess they went to party city or something and got these because the prices are still on everything <laughs> um you get 20 red dessert plates 99 cents wow it says on here and um anyway so uh so that's neat and then oh and you get 24 these are like from my childhood before we had plastic straws we had paper straws so all of you who are fussing about oh they're going to be paper straws yeah that's what my generation grew up with and we were just we still sipped our sodas 
you know, through them just fine. I, and our milkshakes. I don't use any straws. Only for mm-hmm. milkshakes. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, anyway, 24, um, like, peppermint-striped um, red and white um, paper straws. Very festive. So, uh, anyway, so those are cute. And then, ooh, what's this? Oh, D23 red balloons. So, a little package of those. Are there so, 23 in there? Oh, no. There's probably... Uh, one, two, three, four. I think I'd say six. That's five a missed or six opportunity. I know, and there's not many of them. And and then they show you on here the proper inflation guide, so you know if you have not enough helium, too much helium, and the proper inflation. And they're red, and then they just, in white, they say D23, an official Disney fan club. So, of course, you're going to have to get black and yellow balloons, I imagine, to um, round it out. Oh, there's party prizes. There are little D23 uh, keychains. They are plastic. They're little. They're, they're, they look somewhat sturdy. They are. Um, they're little squares, and then in you know like like loose side or something plastic, yeah. and then inside there's uh, diagonals of black stripe a red stripe and a yellow stripe and they have little dots on them and then and that seems to be the th- color theme and then there's a, a a mickey icon head in there Very and cool. then on the and then on the back it says of course d23 the official fan club it's yellow with black um text on there so that's pretty cool actually oh yeah a little party favors there um what is this oh are these sticks for the balloons i have no Probably. idea what these are these are just four plastic sticks. So I imagine they're for the balloons. I would say so, yeah. Um, I think, oh, I, these must be, oh, these are little table, um, little table name tags, little table tags, place tags, place setting tag. Why do they call those things? And what they are is, again, it's, it's the diagonal black. Um, red and yellow stripes with the little dots and then there's a place you can put everybody's name in and then it says D23, the official Disney fan club so everybody knows where they should sit ooh, what's this? oh my goodness Mylar balloons these are Mickey, the true original you get 10 Mylar balloons in here and they have Mickey's little face on here Oh, and um, it's pretty cool. It's the pie-eyed Mickey. Okay. So it's the original Mickey. Okay, that is cool. So what you're saying is there was only nine in there. Yeah, yeah. It says ten. Well, it's in it's in a an exotic language uh, from our, our friends south of the border. Well, but I see the number ten. Now, if you if you open it up and you only find nine, and one of those just happens to come my way, I mean, I don't. Oh, think, oh, I, I don't see think Jeffrey's going to come after you. No, no, that's true. <laughs> okay, then. Oh, and then for all your other decorations, ten dollars off um, anything you order at Party City. And then, um, what's all this? Oh, um, a sheet of D twenty three, like tattoos. <laughs> get the get the kids tatted up young here. Yeah. And what it is is it's the I Love D23, the official Disney fan club with um Mickey looking out of the heart. Again, it's the classic Mickey uh, or then the Mickey icon and it says D23 inside. Oh, and then trivia questions. So oh, so you can play a game. So um 
Hey, I, I might be able to use these after the party. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. So <laughs> anyway. Multiple we'll uses. Yeah. And then, um, okay. Oh, and then these are the little decorations. There is, oh, you know what? These are the, like, when you take photos, this is so people can hold them up okay. in their photos. You know how people do that? Yeah. So yeah. there's a little Sorcerer Mickey hat. You, you punch these out. They're little, like, cardstock. And it says D23, but it says Sorcerer Mickey hat. Then there's another one where it's a Mickey glove that says D23 on it. And these aren't huge. And then um, once it's proud member of D23, hashtag D23 party, there's another punch out of, oh, Mickey ears. You can sort of hold above your head and it says D23. Oh, a whole bunch of cool stick. These are cool. Sheets of stickers. And it has Mickey through the years. And it has Steamboat Willie and the original Mickey of Iwerks Mickey, the classic pose mickey that you see on all the shirts sorcerer mickey um the the uh, uh mickey mouse club band leader mickey um and then uh contemporary mickey you know where he's not white his face yes. isn't white yes so where he's strolling there's one two three four five of these so basically this is sort of set up for 10 people Be and because there's two sets on one sheet and that is everything. You know, for free, I think this is pretty darn good. I, I completely agree. So, uh, and it, it seems like whoever they sent to Party City to do all that shopping really kind of knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so now, of course, I have to plan a party. But what I was thinking, since I'm a terrible party planner, um, you know, I have to celebrate Mickey's birthday by the end of the month. And I thought it would be fun if there are other Connecting with Walt listeners in the Sacramento area. If maybe we are you already planning a party? Do you already have a box? Maybe we can get together and combine our resources maybe have a big party maybe we could maybe we can plan a party in a park and invite other connecting with walt listeners and have sort of a connecting with walt get together and a party maybe we can make it a potluck and all that so uh, so it's easy on everybody so I, I just thought i think this is just a great opportunity for us to get together and you know we can add to the we could talk about okay what else do we want to bring to add to all this and then we'll take photos post them on social media and you know just dazzle everybody with how much fun you know the connecting with walt you know northern california listeners have celebrating our favorite mouse so if this is something you're interested in uh post it on on our twitter page at connect walt and then, you know, I'll be in touch with you. If this is something, if you're in the Sacramento area, um, maybe we can get together and, and plan something on a, on a weekend in September. And there's not that many of them left. So yeah. um, anyway, so I think it'd be fun. So Craig, you going to come out for it? I would absolutely love to. Um, <laughs> I doubt that there will be any cheap plane tickets. <laughs> You never, for, you never know. Southwest has been doing sales lately. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It, we'll have to see. I won't say no just because I've done crazier things with the last <laughs> second. So. You never know. That would be a great surprise. It would. So, 
<laughs> oh, maybe we should hold it in front of the Walt Disney Family Museum. If you come out, then we should just do this in front of the Walt Disney Family Museum. Oh, I mean, that would be the main reason why. <laughs> so, it's, no, I'm joking. I, I love always, anytime you get the chance to meet new people, meet mm-hmm. old friends as well, too. And yeah. just the, the nice thing about our community is there's never an awkwardness because we always have one thing that we know we can all talk about and mm-hmm. that's how much we love disney that's right and and food yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah so so i hope i hear from people i think this would be a lot of fun yeah. so and, and just a nice way for for us to get together in northern california so anyway oh hey you said you got that life magazine mickey at 90 have you had a chance to go through it yet no <laughs> <laughs> That's the short answer. Uh, it, okay. It's still just sitting, but I, I have, uh, and it's it's. I'm impressed with it. I I think that I'm still going through it because you know I I read like four books at once as yeah. I prepare for different episodes. So I, I move back and forth between them, and which I never thought I would do. I never I couldn't do that when I was younger. I yeah. had to do one book at a time. But that's not possible now. Um, you know, it's it's well written. I'm impressed. Very succinct, and but they do a good job. They get a lot of information in a really, you know, in a limited amount of pages. Some good photos in there. Oh yeah, no, that's so. When I thumbed through it, I I looked at all the photos and I read, you know, here and there. But I didn't actually sit down and invest time into it. So I loved what I saw from just looking at it but Mm -hmm. i i I need to actually sit down and study it yeah yeah i saw like i said i'm still going through it i started jumping all around in it and um but um yeah uh, if you haven't gotten it already uh definitely do i've i saw it in an odyssey i saw it at whole foods so um so it's everywhere and of course but the easiest thing is get it on amazon have them ship it to you so yeah well, speaking of Mickey and, and merchandise, uh, in episode 66, we left off with Steamboat Willie opening in New York's Colony Theater on November 18, 1928, and it was a smash hit. The studio immediately began producing the soundtracks for Plain Crazy, Galloping Gaucho, and a new Mickey Mouse short, The Barn Dance. Uh, the work became overwhelming for the small staff. So Walt wired his friend Carl Stalling in Kansas City and offered him a job um, with the studio. The addition of Stalling had an immediate impact as the soundtracks became as sophisticated as the animation. Now, Mickey Mouse cartoons quickly became a national phenomenon. An average Mickey Mouse cartoon required more than 10,000 drawings for seven and one half minutes on screen. And once the animation was completed, it took many other artists and technicians to finish production of the cartoon. At the same time, sound effects technicians, musicians, film editors, and voice actors would do their work. The studio staff grew in response to audiences' demands for more Mickey Mouse. And despite this, the staff was still working near the poverty line because Walt put most of the profits back into new projects. So Walt and Roy were anxious to find ways to capitalize on Mickey's popularity. 
Now, Walt recalled the moment opportunity presented itself in the fall of 1929. And he said, I was in New York and a fellow kept hanging around my hotel, waving $300 at me and saying he wanted to put the mouse on the paper tablets children use in school. As usual, Roy and I needed money, so I took the $300. Now, this deal provided Walt and Roy with some much-needed cash and led them to realize there may be other opportunities to promote Mickey on products. The 5.5-inch by 8.75-inch tablet featured a black, white, and red cover with Mickey Mouse sitting at a school desk holding a red apple in his left hand for the teacher and a history book propped open on the desk. Now, there were other tablets that came out around this time, but this is the only one that said, um, that had the copyright Walt Disney on it. Yeah. And do any of these still exist? I don't remember if you've ever told me that before. It, it took a very long time, but yes, they finally have found one of, of a couple of these. So uh, that's insane. Uh, yeah, paper products do not last; they don't stand the test of time at all. So no. that's great. Yeah, and but what they're still trying to look for is the original contract because who was the fellow that did this? Oh, and that—that's sort of what's been lost. Well, and see, I wouldn't have even went there with my thoughts. So now you opened up a big hole, wormhole there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Dave, Dave Smith has talked about that. The, the, they have searched and searched for that contract. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Now, in January 1930, Carolyn Charlotte Clark, who made a living selling cookies and novelties during the Depression, decided to put her sewing skills to use to earn some extra money. She sent her 14-year-old nephew, Bob Clampett, who would later become a director of Warner Brothers Cartoons, and he was the creator of one of my favorite cartoon series when I was a little boy, Beanie and Cecil, um, to the Alex Theater in Glendale to watch the Mickey Mouse cartoon several times as he sketched the mouse, since no illustrations of Mickey were available other than movie posters. And from those sketches, Clark made the first stuffed Mickey Mouse doll. But Bob Clampett's father very widely, wisely advised Charlotte to obtain Walt Disney's permission to sell the dolls. So she drove to the Walt Disney studio and met with Walt and Roy. I just love how, you know, you hear these stories, how people just drive to the studio and, oh, yeah. you know, walk so in. So casually. They meet, yeah. I know, they just meet with Walt and Roy. Well, they loved the dolls so much that they rented a house near the Hyperion studio, which would later earn the nickname The Doll House, where Clark would create her dolls. At first, the dolls were purchased by Walt and Roy to give to friends and business acquaintances and special visitors to the studio. After a photo with Walt and one of the dolls appeared in Screenplay Secrets magazine and several newspapers, demand for dolls by the public became overwhelming. By November 1930, Clark was producing up to 400 dolls per week and selling them at the May Company and Bullocks for $5 each. The stores are making a good profit since they purchased the dolls for $2.50. When demand exceeded what Clark and her staff could produce, Walton Roy released the doll pattern through the McCall Company of New York for $0.35 so people could make their own dolls. 
many families could not afford the price of a doll during the Depression, and it was important to Walt that every child who wanted a Mickey Mouse doll should have one. Yeah, and that's just about as brilliant as you can get. Mm-hmm. So it's, I wish that would happen more often these days. Uh, but granted, we haven't had that many problems, so... Yeah, but the, the the thing is, even though it's said on the pattern that this is for personal use, not for manufacturing, a lot of out-of-work seamstresses got through the Depression by making their own, by making, you know, Mickey and Minnie dolls yeah. from these patterns. And then, you know, for a donation, uh, you know, gave it to you. Oh. So... <laughs> So, so that's why sometimes when they're when one of these dolls will appear in a an auction, it, it, you really have to determine is this a Charlotte Clark doll, or is this one that was made from one of the patterns. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. <clears throat> now, this would not be the first time a cartoon character was merchandised. The popular Felix the Cat, created by cartoonist Otto Mesmer, was highly popular at this time. Felix was so popular, Charles Lindbergh chose Felix as his lucky mascot for his famous transatlantic flight. And a Felix the Cat doll was the very first image to be broadcast over television waves by the RCA research labs. Felix was the very first balloon featured in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And the image of Felix was on clocks, Christmas ornaments and comic strips before Mickey Mouse made his appearance in Steamboat Willie. Yeah, I've always really wanted a Felix cock or even a knockoff mm-hmm. one with the cats. So I love those. Yeah, I'll, I had one when I was a boy. My mother didn't like it. She thought it made too much noise. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> it is. So I used to have a classic uh, wind-up style uh, alarm clock with the with the two bells on top. And yeah, it, it was not popular for how noisy mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, Walt and Roy had been unhappy with their early efforts to merchandise Mickey Mouse through George Borkfeldt and company. Um, Walt and Roy were disappointed with the quality of the merchandise that didn't meet their standards, and the financial accounting associated with licensing was difficult. It was the partnership between Walt and Roy Disney and advertising executive Herman K. Kamen that launched Mickey into a commercial juggernaut. And you can learn more about Walt Disney and K. Kamen by listening to my segment titled K. Kamen and Mickey Mouse on the March 30th, 2015 episode of the Dis Unplugged Disneyland show. And we'll have a link in our show notes to that episode. Now, Cayman, who was from Kansas City and had been working in sales promotion for a department store before moving to California, entered into a business agreement with Walton Roy, allowing him to manage the licensing for Mickey Mouse and the royalty payments with a 50-50 split. By the end of the year, Mickey Mouse and the Disney label was on $10 million of manufactured goods. This is $1930 we're talking about. So, um, So... In 1930, Mickey Mouse made his first appearance in a comic strip for King Features. The first Mickey Mouse book was published, and Mickey Mouse toys were flooding shops in the United States and Europe. At Woolworth's toy department, a child with a dime could purchase a Mickey Mouse Big Little Book, a wind-up toy, or a bisque Mickey Mouse figurine. 
five and dime stores across the United States sold countless Mickey Mouse items for 10 cents, like tin litho wind-ups, celluloids, moving or walking wooden Mickey pole toys, and coloring books. There were Mickey Mouse china tea sets, bisque toothbrush holders, puzzles, framed Mickey pictures, boxed board game sets, dartboards, alphabet blocks, paint and printing sets, plug-in toy stoves with electrical heating units. Oh, they made some good stuff there. Um, Balloons, domino sets, toothbrushes, combs and fountain pens, all emblazoned with Mickey's smiling face. During the worst economic period in the United States, the Great Depression, the public couldn't get enough of Mickey Mouse. Many historians agree that 1933 was the worst year of the Depression. And in that year, Mickey received 800,000 fan letters, more than any other Hollywood star. Like many U.S. companies at the time, the Ingersoll Waterbury Clock Company was in receivership. Cayman entered in an agreement with the Ingersoll Waterbury Clock Company to put Mickey's likeness on wristwatches and pocket watches. The watches were introduced to the public at the 1933 Chicago Century of Progress Exposition. The wristwatch sold for $2.95 and the pocket watch for $1.50. The watches were so popular, despite the country being in the depths of the depression, that the watch company's financial troubles were quickly behind them as they came out of receivership. The Mickey Mouse watch became such a cultural icon that it was included in a time capsule at the 1939-1940 World's Fair in Queens, New York. That's so cool. I know. Craig, do you have a, a Mickey Mouse watch? I have a uh, one of the Ingersoll Mickey Mouse pocket watches <laughs> that they sell at uh, Walt Disney World in <laughs> Disneyland. I, I don't know if they're still for sale. Um, I... That was uh, that was Kylie's wedding present to me. Was oh, nice. giving me that so I could wear it while we were getting married. So I had, I had wanted that pocket watch for I don't even know how long, years and years, <laughs> and so she surprised me with it. So that I, I do have that uh, just because of its importance to me. I don't carry it around regularly, <laughs> uh, so I, I do need to get get it in uh another ingersoll one so i but i don't i don't want just anyone like i actually i've i've seen refurbished ones before in the past uh of the wristwatch that Mm -hmm. i i would love to have one of those so um i I want the authentic thing so i I would do for one of the 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 now produced ingersoll ones but if i can have one from from that classic time period that's that's a memento that i would i would just i I would just cherish that yeah i have a number of them but i do have the reproductions they made of the original ingersoll watch but i don't have an original yeah i just i i i I love them so much they are by far my favorite mickey mouse souvenir item um i i i'm not huge into watches but when i see pretty watches i I usually love them and i mean i even i even had a mickey mouse watch growing up when i was a kid too but uh then i went through that phase for like 15 years where i was like no i cannot wear anything on my wrist ever i don't like it it's uncomfortable and so who knows it's probably in uh it's probably in a box somewhere back at my parents house 
just sitting there waiting for me to rediscover it. Yeah, even my um, my Apple Watch, I have the Mickey Mouse face on it, I, where he's tapping his little foot. I did that, and then I, I will admit, I switched to the the Toy Story ones once mm-hmm. uh, those came out, but then I shattered my Apple Watch, and it hasn't mattered since. Oh. <laughs> I broke mine once, but uh, luckily, because I know myself well i had insurance so they replaced it (laughs) anyway um while the ingersoll waterbury clock company wasn't the only company mickey mouse saved from bankruptcy in 1934 the lionel train corporation sales and profits had slumped during the great depression and they were in court ordered receivership Cayman entered into a licensing agreement with Lionel, who produced the number 1100 Mickey Mouse hand car, which featured Mickey and Minnie Mouse with their arms pumping up and down as if they were powering the hand car. Um, The toy came in a colorful box with eight sections of curved metal track to form a 27-inch circle. Selling for $1, this became the must-have Christmas toy in 1934 and saved Lionel from bankruptcy. And uh, a lot of these things that we're talking about that I've already gone through, you can see at the Walt Disney Family Museum, they have a display case covering a wall that has many of the original items from the 30s uh, in there. I would love that. And that's why I need to go one day. That's right, you do. In 1935, Lionel sold a Mickey Mouse circus train featuring a locomotive, a coal-shoveling Mickey Mouse stoker, and three brightly colored cars, a band car, a circus car, and a dining car, incorporating Mickey Mouse and his friends into the design. The set also included a freestanding painted wooden Mickey Mouse circus barker figurine and a cardboard Lionel Mickey Mouse circus tent. This set sold for $2.00. So quite a deal. Lionel still makes uh, Mickey Mouse trains and carriages, and um, the, the price is significantly more. Yeah. But I, you can check those out online. I love model trains. So those were my uh, growing up, one of my uncles had a big model train set, and it was always something that I told myself I was going to get into one day. And then when I started looking at the prices for them, then I decided that that's just not possible. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not inexpensive. I I had you know the a Lion, Lionel train set when I was a boy, but I think most boys my age did. Yeah, we. So. I mean, we had our we had our train that we would pull out only at Christmas time. But uh, considering, I think my parents knew that we'd be little monsters and destroy it. I I doubt it was a Lionel. So <laughs> maybe they wrote it on the side of the box. <laughs> Well, beginning in 1934, Cayman produced lavish merchandise catalogs for department stores and specialty shops, eager to order the latest Mickey Mouse merchandise for their store shelves. Cayman also developed sales promotion plans and giant window displays with cutouts of Mickey Mouse and other Disney stars, like the Three Little Pigs for for, um, stores. Cayman also designed Christmas window displays with Disney characters, which were hugely popular with stores owners eager to attract holiday shoppers. Thanks to Cayman's expertise and guidance, Mickey Mouse quickly rose to the top when it came to selling merchandise with products for people of all incomes. Manufacturers rushed out more products with the images of Mickey, Minnie, and their friends who were gaining popularity, Donald Duck, Pluto the Pup, and Goofy. 
1934 survey of 70 manufacturers of Disney character and Mickey Mouse merchandise reported that approximately 10,000 jobs had been created to meet the demand for the merchandise. In 1937, Cayman stated, Mickey's cheerful countenance will sell anything. That is just insane. 10,000 jobs <laughs> during during a period in the United States when that just, you know, that was very necessary. It's what was needed, but it wasn't what was happening. I mean, that's just, that's that's incredible. It is. It just goes to show you <clears throat> just... Uh, how uh, really how much the public needed i think a character like mickey with his optimism and never give up and facing adversity and 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 you know meeting adversity head-on and overcoming it and and providing humor yeah because at that time there wasn't a lot of humor in people's lives well and it also none of it would have been possible if the right decisions weren't being made at the right times um Mm -hmm. it just none of that could have happened so it's one of those another one of those situations with Walt where we're lucky where everything just fell into place perfectly yes yes absolutely well we're at that point in the show again I know it's it's everyone's favorite because they get to play along with us. It is the this day in Disney history. Oh, the, this time it is the week of September 15th. And Craig and I are delighted to welcome back Alexander to challenge Craig's knowledge again. Alexander, so are you, are you raring to go again this week? Oh, definitely. I'm all Disney. I'm all prepared. <laughs> Good. Well, you, I know you have Craig worried after last week when you were able to to talk about uh, President Eisenhower and the award that he um, he gave President uh, that he gave Walt Disney. I mean, that that was very good. It shows you definitely know your Disney history. So, yeah. so, so tell us what. Uh, how do you, you know, when you're not at a Disney theme park, how do you incorporate um, Disney and Walt Disney into your life, you know, at home, into your personal life? Uh, well, um, we watch Disney films as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you, uh, what, do you have a, a particular character that you're partial to? Do you have a favorite? Um... Actually, no, I do not like any of the characters more than more than others, actually, or at least I do not have a favorite character. However, I, uh, I do have a favorite classic Disney film. Oh, what's that? It's actually Fantasia. Oh, now that's unusual. You know, you don't hear many people say that they that Fantasia is one of their favorites. So what what do you like about that film? Well, first off, I I enjoy classical music a lot, mm-hmm. and so I like how, like the Nutcracker, the Toccata and Fugue, and the Sorcerer's Apprentice, they incorporate that into the film. And another thing is, uh, I've seen like um, uh, previews from back in the day that call it a film ten years before its time. I think that describes it beautifully because. There are a lot of special effects that look equivalent to today's computer animation, such as the snowflakes and 
the smoke and the volcanoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There is an interesting, interesting story. I read this decades ago, so I, I've not re-researched it to see its validity, but I, I think you would enjoy it. It's um, they, in order to get the Rite of Spring, um, the Walt Disney Studios really had to work on it because Stravinsky did not want to give it to them. And the story goes that it... it, it it was not copyrighted in the United States because, you know, it was written in Russia. And so when he refused to give the studio the rights to it, he was very politely told, well, you know, we can use it with or without your permission. We'd much prefer to use it, you know, with your permission and to pay you rather than using it without your permission and not paying you. So, so it, you know, not quite in those words, but that was the message that was received. So he gave his permission very reluctantly. So he was then invited to the screening for the Rite of Spring, you know, the, the, or the Paleozoic Crawl, as some people call it. And he was given, he was handed a copy of the score, and he says, well, I have my own. <laughs> I have the original. And they said, oh, you don't have this version. Because as you probably know, they edited it, yeah. you know, to fit into that short little segment of, of you know, the, the you know, the, 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 dino- the, the rise and fall of the dinosaurs. And, oh, my gosh, he was appalled. He had nothing, <laughs> he had nothing good to say about Fantasia. So anyway, but so I thought you Alexander you might enjoy that little story. <laughs> so Yes, but that was a very a very interesting to know. Yeah. So So okay, let's so let's get on now with our um history quiz. So first of all for our our listeners at home, the rules are um, for our contestants or if you're playing against each other at home, you get three points if you choose not to hear the multiple choice options for for a correct answer. If you choose to hear the multiple choice options, you will receive two points for a correct answer. If you ask me to remove an incorrect option, you will receive one point for a correct answer. If your opponent gets the incorrect answer, you have the option of answering it correctly for one point. Some questions may have opportunities to earn bonus points. You can earn one point for each bonus question correctly answered. In the event of a tie, there will be a tiebreaker question. You may find having a pencil and paper at the ready helpful for the bonus question. For our um, players at home remember no yahooing googling binging or asking your friend alexa for the answers okay so alexander uh since you are our guest you have the option of receiving the question or passing the first question on to craig um i think once again i'll uh, i'll receive it All right, so for September 15th, what Epcot Pavilion reopened after a refurbishment on September 15th, 1996? 96. I think I'll uh, go with the multiple choice, please. All right, is it A, the Imagination Pavilion, B, Universe of Energy, C, the Land Pavilion, or D, the Norway Pavilion? This is 1996. 
Uh, I believe that you said A is the Imagination Pavilion? Correct. I believe it is A. Okay, is that your final answer? Yes, I think so. Okay, that is incorrect. Um, So, Craig, let's go over to you. Is it Universe of Energy, Land Pavilion, or Moe Pavilion that opened on September 15, 1996? I am almost confident that it was either 96 or 97 that Ellen was added to the Universe of Energy. So I'm going with Universe of Energy. You are correct. And yes, it not only did Ellen get featured in this, it, Bill Nye the Science Guy, game show host Alex Trebek, and actress Jamie Lee Cur- Cur- um, Curtis. So, okay, Craig, for a bonus point, what was the original name of the, of the pavilion, of the show? Oh, um... I don't know. I, okay. I can't even think of anything. It, it, okay. I'm stumped. All right. Okay, Alexander, you have a choice. You have a chance of getting this bonus point. It, we we knew this as Ellen's energy adventure, but it had another name when it first opened. Do you know the name for one point? I think I I will go with what it says on the outside, which is simply the universe of energy yeah yeah the the show that was called ellen's energy crisis and then they changed it to ellen's energy adventure so probably for for obvious reasons (laughs) so anyway okay it was a nightmare for (laughs) okay all right okay um craig for September 16th, what Disneyland attraction closed on September 16th, 1995 for refurbishment and reopened two months later? I'm sorry, this should be, I, I, I caught my own error. This should be 1955. Okay. What, what Disneyland attraction closed on September 16th, 1955 for refurbishment and reopened two months later? I will go with multiple choice, please. Okay. A, the Chicken of the Sea Pirate Ship Restaurant. B, Utopia. C, Disneyland's Canal Boats of the World. Or D, the Phantom Boats. Hmm. I'm going to go with D. The Phantom Boats? Yeah. Okay. That is incorrect. Okay, so, Alexander, over to you. So, September 16th, 1955, a Disneyland attraction closed, reopened two months later. Is it the Chicken of the Sea Pirate Ship Restaurant, Utopia, or Disneyland's Canal Boats of the World? Well... Based on documentaries I've seen, I do know that Autopia was one of Disneyland's big uh, um, non-cooperative rides during its first uh, days of after being open. So I believe my answer would have to be B, Autopia. Okay. 
final answer. Yes, I think I'll stick with that. Okay. That's a good guess, because you're right. By the end of the opening day, I think one car was working. But it was actually Disneyland's Canal Boats of the World, because basically there was nothing there. <laughs> so um, it closed after two months of operation, and it will be reimagined and renamed the Storyland Canal Boats. They, they, they uh, had the time to actually put in all the scenes. Oh. So... Anyway, so anyway, interesting story. Uh, those those poor little uh, narrators had nothing to narrate <laughs> in the very beginning. So, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I believe it's Alexander's turn. Mm-hmm. So. So September 17th, Alexander, this is tough because at this time of year, everything's early Disney history, well before you and probably your parents were born. Um, The ABC television series Walt Disney Presents airs for the last time on September 17th, 1961. The following week, what will be the new name of the series? And a bonus point is available. time i think i will i will go with my my feeling for uh uh for this one and i believe it is walt disney's wonderful world of color good go with your gut excellent that is three points for you okay you are absolutely correct okay here's your bonus question on what network will walt disney's wonderful world of color air Uh, now there were three at the time. Hard to believe, I know. <laughs> the, I I know there was ABC, NBC, and and CBS. Mm-hmm. I, I know. So, uh, hmm. I think I might have to go with CBS because there were some other rival series on ABC at the time, so I don't think uh, Walt would um, I think Walt would want to find some vacancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right, there were, there were issues with ABC, but the answer is NBC with the colorful peacock. So, um, so anyway, but very good. Alexander, you're ahead. Okay, three to two. So, Craig, over to you. Okay. All right. Voice actress June Foray, perhaps best known as the voice of Rocket J. Rocky Squirrel on the animated Rocky and Bullwinkle show, is born in Springfield, Massachusetts on September 18, 1917. On what Disney attraction can you hear her voice? I will go with multiple choice. Right. Is it A, Spaceship Earth, B, Pirates of the Caribbean, C, Muppet Vision 3D, or D, The Living Sea with Nemo and Friends? Hmm. Sorry, what was A again? Spaceship Earth. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna go with I think a spaceship Earth. 
Okay. That is incorrect. Okay, so Alexander, over to you. Where can we hear Rocky the Flying Squirrel's voice? <laughs> what Disney attraction? So it's June Foray on Pirates of the Caribbean, Muppet Vision 3D, or The Living Sea with Nemo and Friends? Well, hmm. of the three, uh, actually, you know... My first guess was Pirates, because June Frey was known for putting on, like, wacky voices, that mm-hmm. type of thing. But there is a character in Nemo and Friends that has, like, a a, a, a bucktooth kind of voice, um, that uh, that bluish fish. So I think I would have to go with, with D, um, Nemo and Friends. Okay. Final answer? Yes, I, uh, I think I'll with that okay you know should have gone with your first one it's pirates of the caribbean it dawned on me right after i got it wrong yeah as the she is the wife of the man getting dunked in the well by pirates uh yes that's carlos don't don't be a chicken (laughs) and it's it's very it sounds very rocky-esque and that's what it like i could hear the mousiness right after mm-hmm. once I started to think through the but. mousiness. <laughs> anyway, I, I I was very surprised when I came across that. So anyway, okay, okay, Alexander, to you for September nineteenth. Walt Disney gives what will be his last press conference on September 19, 1966, to provide details about the development of what project. Oh, I know this one. It's the Mineral Springs Ski Resort. Right. Well, I'm going to give that to you, but it is because you are so close. It's the Mineral King Ski Resort. You're absolutely right. Excellent. He speaks about the development of the Mineral King Ski Resort in Southern California. Um, Disney's Sky Crown Resort uh, will feature skiing, an alpine village, a skating rink, a five-story hotel, dormitories for young people, and restaurants. And um, I did a whole show on this for our Disneyland um, show on, um, on what this would have been and why it was never built. So, Alexander, excellent. Six points. Okay, Craig. So, it's six to two. So, Alexander, you are well ahead here. Craig, over to you. September 20th. Author Upton Sinclair is born in Baltimore, Maryland on September 20th, 1878. Sinclair devoted his writing career to documenting and criticizing the social and economic conditions of the early 20th century. A book he wrote in 1936 was the inspiration for a Walt Disney production live-action musical film. What is the name of this film? I am going to have to do multiple choice. Okay, is it A, Newsies, B, Follow Me Boys, C, The Gnome-Mobile, or D, The Happiest Millionaire? Hmm... I genuinely do not know this. Um, I only know one book that Upton Sinclair's written, so The Jungle. Mm-hmm. That's, That's probably his most famous yeah. book. Yeah. 
I, I mean, that was required reading for me way back when, when I was in high school. I'm not sure if that's still the case anymore. Um, so I just, I, um, I'm going to go with happiest millionaire D. Okay. Okay. That is incorrect. Okay. So, so, okay. Alexandra, over to you. Upton Sinclair, 1936 book inspired a Walt Disney live action musical film. Was it A, Newsies, B, Follow Me Boys, or C, The Gnome Mobile? Let me see. Well, I know Newsies is about like uh, a group of newsboys uh, who like a thing to get there, um, to get through their problems. Uh, that is the uh, um, as far as social um, problems go, that is a big one. I would uh, I would uh, think Upton Sinclair to cover, and I do remember that film. So I believe my I would have to go with a Newsies. You know, and that's why I included in there. But you're not going to believe this. His 1936 book the gnomobile <laughs> was the inspiration for disney's 1967 musical film the gnomobile okay uh, isn't that isn't that isn't that remarkable <laughs> yes what is it about actually i, I don't know I, I i have to i've not read it i've only read the jungle so uh, i it's um I I I would have to see. Is it really about a bunch of gnomes in the redwood forests, you know, the Pacific Northwest? So I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see, to read. I have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Alexander. To you, September twenty first. Animator, cartoon artist, screenwriter, producer, and director of animated films, Chuck Jones, is born in Spokane, Washington on September 21st, 1912. Best known for his Looney Tunes and Merry Melody shorts for Warner Brothers, Jones also worked at the Walt Disney Studios. What Disney film did Jones work on? the answer to this before, but I have to go with multiple choice. Okay. Is it A, the Pluto cartoon short Cold Turkey, B, Peter Pan, C, the goofy cartoon short Father's Day Off, or D, Sleeping Beauty? You know what? I I think I may have heard somewhere, I, I do not remember where, but I think I may have heard that it was Sleeping Beauty. So, at some point, so I think I'll have to go with D. You are correct, and you heard it on this show. <laughs> and we yep. talked about Sleeping Beauty. So, very good. Okay. All right. So, eight points. Boy. Well, Craig, <laughs> at least uh, here's the last question. At least maybe here's an opportunity for you to get a respectable score. Oh, thank you. <laughs> It is eight to two. <laughs> I would have okay. got the last question without multiple choice. Thank you very oh, much. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. So, okay. What was the last e-ticket attraction added to Disneyland before the park switched to passports? 
Is it A, Space Mountain, B, Big Thunder, Mo- Rail- Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, C, Star Tours, or D, Captain EO? Um, I'm going to say I wish I remembered from all the stuff I researched with tickets and that that I could think of this more correctly um, and quickly, but... I'm going to say, I'm going to say Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. You are absolutely correct. It was Big Thunder Mountain Railroad because Space Mountain had opened just uh, shortly before that. Yeah. And the other two, Star Tours and Captain EO opened after they switched to passports. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the same thought process I went through. Okay, excellent. Well, Alexander, you 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 beat Craig this go round, so the score is eight to four in Alexander's favor. Congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! Great job. Thank you. It's uh, it's an honor to be to be one of the winners. <laughs> so well, now we have a tie. So that means you. Ha- we need you to come back next week so we can, um, you know, break the tie. So I hope you will join us next time. I I will. I look forward to uh, to, to being on the show again. It's uh, it's such an honor. Excellent. Well, thank you. And, and, and like I said, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So we will um, see you next week on Connecting with Walt. Well, that is where our story is going to end for this episode, but as we're going to talk about in part two of Mickey Mania, uh, Mickey wasn't all about merchandising during this era. Uh, Walt uh, Walt, um, brought Mickey to the public in other ways, besides film and besides merchandise. We're going to explore that next week, including, uh, you know, how many of you thought the Mickey Mouse Club started in the mid-50s? Well, you might be surprised to find out Mm. Mickey Mouse Club really started in the 30s. And we'll talk about that next time on Connecting with Walt. It's quite the cliffhanger. You could have uh, worked out perfectly on Rocky and Bullwinkle with that one. (laughs) Yes, that was one of my favorite cartoon shows when I was a boy. I like their snarkiness. (laughs) No. (laughs) Many books, films, articles, interviews, and lectures were sourced for this episode of Connecting with Walt, including Mickey Mouse, The Evolution, The Legend, The Phenomenon by Robert Heidi and John Gilman with Monique Peterson and Patrick White. The Book of Mouse, A Celebration of Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse by Jim Corcus. Walt Disney, An American Original by Bob Thomas. Mickey Mouse, 50 Happy Years, edited by David Bain and Bruce Harris. The Mickey Mouse Treasures by Robert Tiemann. Um, Life Celebrates an American Icon, Mickey Mouse at 90. Walt Disney, Saving America's Lost Generation by R.H. Farber. So, Craig, until next time, where can our listeners find you on the Diz Unplugged network of shows? As always, you can find me on the Walt Disney World edition. You can find me on the Universal Edition. You can find me on the Best and Worst of Walt Disney World. And then also the Diz Daily Fix. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Teleclaster. What about you, Michael? 
Well, you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling, the one with the connecting with Walt banner. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at connectwalt, our official Twitter page for connecting with Walt. That is where, remember, if you want to get together to have a D23 Mickey birthday party, uh, post, and you're in the Sacramento area, post uh, post on our uh, our Twitter page, at ConnectWalt, and we'll, we'll see what we can do to get together in the next few weeks. If you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney and his brother Roy. Roy.